That's what we want to do. Well, today we're closing out our Set Free series, and as we close out this series, I, I want to do something. I want to take us back. I, wa- I want to take us back to high school uh, for something. Again, honestly, we, we, had, we had somebody in the 830 service who was baptized. They graduated yesterday, baptized today. Isn't that cool? I mean, so, so cool. Graduated yesterday, baptized today. They're going on spring break tomorrow, and I said, remember, you were baptized today, okay? So, so, so yeah, exactly. So, anyway, uh, I want to take you back to high school. And, 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 again, for some of us, it was yesterday. For some of us, it was a few years ago. For some of us, it was a long, long time ago. But th- think back to high school. Think back to high school and, and, and take a minute and think back about the years that you spent in high school, if you can. And, and when you think about those years, what was your personality? What, what was your identity when you were in high school? And, and some of you may say, now, identity, I don't understand exactly what it is that you're talking about. Did you have an identity in high school? I mean, some of you know what I'm talking about, but let me, in case you don't understand and you're wondering what I'm talking about, let me, let me give you a few of the identities that I'm talking about because I know some of you, and I know some of these are going to ring true. Okay, what? Wh- we, in, in, in high school, you had the band people. You had the potheads. You had the jocks. You had the nerds. You had the drama kids. You had the cheerleaders. Now, those are just a few of the identities that I thought about. Do you remember those identities or those groups of people? Because there's probably a good chance that you found your identity in one of those groups of people. Now think about it. Because when you think about those groups of people, each of them have their own identities. And each of those identities come with certain noticeable characteristics. Because depending on the group that you were in, the drama kids, the cheerleaders, the band, the potheads, the nerds, you're probably going to have acted a certain way. You acted a certain way, you dressed a certain way, you probably even talked a certain way. And for some of us, it's really hard to believe, but for some of us, we even would sit a certain way. Because it was just part of who we were. It was just part of our identity. Now, now let's move beyond high school and think about some of the other identities that we have in our culture today. A doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a rock star. All of those identities come with certain characteristics when we think about the way that those people act. And let me tell you why this is important. It's important because over the last several weeks, we've been looking at this letter that was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. And in this letter, Paul says that that just as you have chosen an identity in life, just like you're living out an identity in life, and that identity impacts the way that you talk and the way that you walk and what you wear, God says that you have a new identity. 
And that new identity affects everything about your life. Because here's the thing. When you became a Christian, when you became a follower of Jesus, Paul talks about this. You were taken out of Adam and you were placed into Christ. So if you could see yourself the way that you truly are, somebody who now is in Christ, if you could actually see yourself that way, then naturally it would affect the way that you live. I mean, think about it. It would affect the way that you do your job. It would affect the way that you handle your finances. It would affect your relationships and your marriage. It would affect all of those things. And the reason it would affect those things is because you realize who you are. And again, the way it affects your life it's not because now that I follow Jesus, I have a new set of rules. It's because you realize who you are. You've been transformed. You've been changed. You've been taken out of Adam, and you've been placed into Christ. And, and see, here's the thing. The life of a Christian... It's not about trying to keep up rules. A lot of people think that it is. The life of a follower of Jesus is not about trying to keep up the Christian rules or to keep the law as we talked about last week. But the Christian life is really living out the expression of who it is that I truly am. It's to live out the new you. This is really what God is saying. God is saying, I want you to recognize who you are. I want you to recognize the new you and to live out who it is that you truly are. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I, I want to give you what I believe is a very simple And profound, I think, very simple, life-changing truth. And I'm going to put it on the screen behind me, but I want you to see it because, again, this is one of those things you can take a picture of or you can actually write it down. And here's that life-changing truth. The truth is this. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, just like in my life, in your life, something happens. That's a very simple truth. It's a very profound truth. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there was something that happened. When you put your faith in Jesus, you were adopted into the family of God. In other words, you became a brand new person. And this is what we really need to recognize. You didn't become a brand new person because you started to act like a brand new person. But because you are a new person. You've been changed. You've been transformed. You see, the Christian life is really just an expression of who you already are. That's the Christian life. It's just the expression of who you are in Christ. And, and, and again, when you think about this, 
This is the thing that sets Christianity apart. You want to know something that sets Christianity apart from all of the other religions of the world? This can be it. I mean, think about it this morning. In all the other religions of the world, you act a certain way so that you can become something. That's all the other religions of the world. You do certain things, you act certain ways so that ultimately you can become something. But in Christianity, that's not the way it is. Because in Christianity, God says, no, I have made you something. And now I'm calling you to live out who you truly are. And let me just say this. If there's anything that I've been praying throughout this series... It's this. My prayer has been that God would open your eyes so that you could see you the way that God sees you. Now, in these chapters, Paul gives, uh, he gives us this very complex argument. And, you know, I, I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it now. I mean, I, I think about Paul and, and this argument that he's been giving us, and I'm going to uh, kind of elaborate on that in just a moment, but he's been giving us this argument to say that when you were placed in Christ, not only were the benefits of the penalty of sin applied to you, but also the benefits of the power of sin. And, and you know what? I can kind of see Paul as he's, he's, he's talking and arguing and, and, and the, the thing that kept coming to my mind, I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to this trial with Johnny Depp. Anybody been watching that? I mean, please don't misunderstand me. Don't read anything into this. But that Camille Vasquez is a beast. I mean, I mean, I was watching her the other day, uh, uh, you know, and she would, uh, you know, she would... I mean, she was stopping, and, and, and I was thinking, you know, th th when, when Paul argues and, and establishes this argument about the penalty of sin and the power of sin, I can kind of see a little bit of that, of that lady in Paul. I know some people would think, oh, well, he's a heretic, and he's saying, well, you know, I'll just get over it. But, but, but I'm just telling you, I can see Paul just wanting to, to really argue the fact and, and to establish the fact that the penalty of sin and the power of sin has been applied to us and to our lives. I mean, listen to this. When you were placed in Christ, the power of sin in your life was broken. And now because of Jesus Christ, you have the power in your life to say no to sin. And sin's not going to give up. Sin can yell at you, it can tempt you, it can taunt you. But it has no power over you. As long as you don't identify with that sin. And you do identify with who you really are in Christ. And when the sin in the flesh in your life begins to tempt and taunt and dance and lure you, 
you, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You just say, no, 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 time out. That's not me. That, that sin is not me. That is sin. That's the sin that dwells in my mortal, dying body. Now, let me just stop right here. Let me just put a pause on this. Because if there's something in you right now, there's something in you. You know how you have that still, small voice that speaks to you? But if there's something in you right now, that small voice that's saying, that's what I want. I want the power to say no. I want the power to say no to sin. When sin tempts me and taunts me and tries to lure me and it dances around me, I want, the, if, I want what exactly Randy is talking about. If that's the voice that you're hearing, whether you're in this auditorium or watching online, then that voice is God. That's God in you. That is the spirit that God has placed in you, bearing witness with what we're talking about this morning. And at the very same time that that voice is saying, the, the Spirit of God is speaking to you, there's going to be another voice. And that other voice over there is saying, yeah, but you're not, and, and it's sin. Sin is going to be over there saying, yeah, but you'll never be able to do it. You can't pull that off. You don't have the power to do that. So here's the thing. You're kind of in this juxtaposition where you have these two voices speaking, and you're hearing this voice say, you know, this is what I want to do. And this other voice saying, you won't ever be able to do that. And you're like, okay, which one of those am I? I have these two voices speaking to me, these two voices inside my head, but there's only one of me. So which one of those voices is me? Which one of those voices is you? And God is saying, if you could only see this morning, if you could only see your sinful flesh for what it truly is, then you would understand that's not you. So let's, let's jump back into what Paul was saying in these verses. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5. And you're going to see it on the screen behind me. And, and, and again, I, I'm going to tell you, like I've told you a couple of times before, these verses can be so complex that a lot of people just don't, don't even pay the attention to them and the importance of them, and they just kind of read right through them. But here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds, look at the next word, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set, and that's an important word I'm going to come back to, set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So here's the thing. You have to start identifying with the new you. You've been taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. You have to start identifying with the new you instead of the old you. And what, what Paul means when he uses the word set, he uses it two times. He actually means that that's where you're taking your instructions from. That's where you're getting your cues from. If you're a believer, 
And you find yourself when you're tempted saying, I want to do that. Or I want to do this. If you're a believer and you find yourself saying that you want to do something that's sinful, here's what he's saying. He's telling you, listen, he's telling you that you are deceived. Because you're identifying with your old nature. But that thing that is in you that desires to do good, that's the real you. If you're a believer, that's you. When you're tempted, the person that identifies with the right desire, that's the person that is identifying with who they are in Christ. So if, if, if you want to apply all of this, you have to set your mind or you have to set your mind or establish your identity with the desires of the Spirit, with the desires of God. Instead of setting your desires on the flesh. That is who God says you are. Let me give you a way to look at this. Or maybe you could say, I'm going to give you three different things this morning. And, and for the sake of, of, of my verbiage, I call these contrasts. Uh, three contrasts. Because I want you to understand that even after you start following Jesus, and most of us in here are followers of Jesus, even after you give your life to Christ, there's always going to be the battle between the spirit and the flesh. So let, let, let me give you these three contrasts, and here's the very first one. Look, look at the screen behind me. Your flesh urges you to satisfy. Your flesh is always going to urge you to satisfy your appetite. I need this. I need this. That. I need, uh, you need this. You need that. I, I want to do this. I want to do that. And that's not you. Because here's the thing, the Spirit urges you to satisfy your soul. That's what the Spirit will do. The Spirit will urge you to satisfy your soul. Because think about it like this, when is the last time you ever satisfied an appetite? You can't. You can't satisfy an appetite at all. When have you ever eaten a meal and made the and, and you became so satisfied with that meal that you made the decision, I'm never gonna eat again? Never. Because what happened? A few hours later, you were hungry again. You see, we need to understand. That there's, listen, 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 there's always a tendency to identify with what we want. There's always a tendency for you to identify with what you think you need. Because here's the thing, listen to me, I can just be one big appetite and that appetite needs to be filled. So Crossroads, I need you to listen to me, I want you to hear me. Because that appetite is your flesh. But the mindset of the Spirit is different. Because the mindset of the Spirit 
is that I'm a person who exists primarily to fill my soul. So you have to remember, your flesh, your sinful nature is always going to urge you to satisfy your appetite. Let me give you another contrast. This is contrast number two. Your flesh is fueled by a fear of what might be. But the spirit is fueled by the confidence of what is. If your entire life revolves around, if your entire orientation is built around, well, what if she doesn't call? What if he doesn't show up? What if the economy takes a downturn? What if interest rates go up? What if my marriage and what if my kids grow up? What what, what happens if my kids grow up and they leave the house? Or what happens if my kids grow up and they don't leave the house? That's the flesh. Because listen to me this morning, that's all fear. There's a guy who's an author by the name of John Noe, N-O-E. And he did some research, and in his research, here are the conclusions that he came to. Now, again, we're thinking about fear. He said 40% of the things that you fear, 40% of the worries that you have in your life right now will never happen. 30% of the things that you're worried about right now are actually things that happened in the past. 12% of your worries are just needless concerns about your health. 10% of your worries are just petty worries. That's 92% if you add those together. So 8% are legitimate worries. And the Spirit will say to you, When you get afraid of what might be, you just need to remember what is. Because a fear of what might be, that's the flesh. That's the old you. I now have God in me so I can love and I can trust and I can hope. And I can move forward in life confident that even as bad as things look, God is with me. Even if gas goes to $6 a gallon, you can move forward in your life confident that God is with you. And listen to me this morning. When the fear of what might be crops up in you, that's when you say, time out, that's not me. That's sin in my mortal body. Let me give you another contrast. Here's the third contrast. The flesh pushes me to establish my identity. But the Spirit encourages me to rest in my identity. You see, in my flesh, here's the thing that has to happen. In my flesh, I feel like I have to prove to you who I am. In my flesh, I have to tell you all the things that I've done. 
I have to establish with you in my flesh a reputation that impresses you because of all the things that I've done. Now think about that. Where does that end? It doesn't end. It just continues to cycle on and on and on and on. It doesn't stop. That's the flesh. But the Spirit says this. The Spirit says, whoa, 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 rest. Rest in who you are. You're a child of God, so you can rest in your true identity. I'm a child of God. I am who God says I am. Because my identity, my true identity, it's not tied to a car or to money or to a house or an earthly reputation. We have to choose which one we're going to identify with. And, and God says, you may not see it, but when I look at you, this is who you truly are. You are my child. You are a child of God. Look at what Paul says in the next verse, verse number 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled, that's, that's an interesting word, I'm going to come back to that, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And again, don't, don't brand me a, a heretic when I say this, but in my opinion, the, wor the word control or controlled is unfortunate because, you know what, here's the thing. I wish it could be that easy. I just wish it could be that easy. I just wish that I could get up on Monday morning and I could just press a button tomorrow morning, first thing when my feet hit the floor, and that button would allow God to control me all throughout the day. But it's not that easy. It's not that easy. See, to me, instead of the word controlled or control, maybe the word set or follow is probably a better way to say it or a better translation. And, and Paul says something that's very interesting at the very first part of that verse. He says, the mind of sinful man is death. And here's the thing. If you continue to identify with the flesh, let me tell you what you're going to experience. You're going to experience death. Because we said for those who remain a slave to sin, and you offer the members of your body to sin, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to bring hell to your life on earth. Let, let me tell you, you may make it to heaven, but you're going to experience hell on earth if you continue to identify with your flesh. But the mind that is controlled by the Spirit has peace. Let me ask you, have you ever just sat down and said, you know, wish I, I just wish I had some peace in my life? 
Have you ever just said that? Have you ever just sat down after a long week or a long day and you just said, you know what, I just wish, I just need some peace in my life? Well, let me just tell you this. It'll never happen if you quit unless you quit identifying with your old self. It will never happen until you quit identifying with your old nature and start identifying with who you are in Christ. Because listen, you don't have to be afraid of what might happen. Look at verse 9, the next verse. Paul says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And again, here's one of the things or one of the reasons why I think this is so hard for people to actually understand and why they just tend to read over the complications that these verses seem to project. And they're really not that complicated. But what Paul is saying is this. On one hand, your body is dying because sin dwells in your body. But on the other hand, your spirit is alive because God has moved in. And here again, we're kind of forced to look at this juxtaposition. If you listen, if you have a body that's dying, but a spirit that's living, then which one is true of you? Which one of those do you identify with? You want to identify with the living part, right? Because that's the new you. That's the new me. Look at verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So in those moments when sin raises its ugly head and says, hey, hey, can I borrow your eyes? Can I borrow your mouth? Can I borrow your mind? In those moments when sin wants to control your body, it's that same spirit that raised Christ. That spirit can give you power over the desires of your flesh, and you can stop and say no. No, you can't. You can't have my eyes. You can't have my mind. You can't have my mouth because I'm not who I used to be. I'm a brand new person, and you are not sin. You are not my master anymore. Today is a very new day. Look at verse 12, verse 12. Paul says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. You do have an obligation. But here's the good news. It's not an obligation to the flesh. Now see, for some of you for a long time, you thought that's the person you have to be. 
that you thought naturally that's the person that I needed to be. Because my mom was that way or my dad was that way or that's the way I was raised. I came from a dysfunctional home. That's just the way I've got to be. We act as though we're obligated to act that way. And Paul comes along and says, yes, you do have an obligation. But you're not under an obligation to your flesh. Because you've been set free. You're not under obligation to that addiction. To that lust, to that greed. You're not under obligation. Because now you're not who you used to be. Right now you are a brand new person. And maybe here's the question. What if you started to see you? Now think about this. Look right here. What if you started to see you not for the person that you wanted to become, but what if you started to see you for who you truly are? Because listen to me this morning. If you started to see you for who you truly are, it has the power to revolutionize your life. You're a new person. You're a new you. And again, if you will begin to embrace the new you, that becomes your identity. And that becomes the thing that you live out. So as we wind up this, this four-part series today, I want to give you right now just a mental exercise, whether you're in the auditorium or whether you're watching online. Just take some time right now and think about your life. And think about right now in your life that area where sin talks the loudest to you. Because I got one of those areas. As a matter of fact, I've got two or three. Can I be honest? I've got four or five. But just think of that area where sin talks to you consistently. And just take a minute and think about that. I mean, where are you a slave to sin? What's the area of your life? What's the area of your life where you need freedom the most? Where, 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 where is that area where you wish you could believe that you were free? What's the one thing that you want freedom from this morning? Again, listen to me, not that you won't be tempted in that area again, but at least that in that area that you would have the power, the power to say no. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Bow your head right now, close your eyes, wherever you are. In this room, in this auditorium, if you're watching at home, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head. And this morning, here's the thing I want to do. I want to speak on God's behalf. 
I want to say something this morning on behalf of God because here is what God would say to you this morning about that one thing. You know what God would say? Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're under no obligation to obey that desire. You're under no obligation to obey that sinful desire. God would say to you this morning, you're free this morning to say no to sin. Because you're free. And that thing, that temptation, it's not you. Because it's inconsistent with who you are. You're a child of God. Live that out. And walk in freedom. God, this morning, we are so thankful for what you've done. God, through the cross of Christ, we've experienced that freedom that many of us didn't even realize was available to us. We've worried more about rules and trying to be somebody when we actually already were somebody. So God, this morning we look to the cross where sin was dealt that final blow where freedom was granted. And God, this morning, we are so thankful. So thankful for what you've done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to tell you this morning, I was so moved by that song that we sang just before the message that I've asked Delaney to sing it again. So, Bo, we're going to go back and do that song. Again, not the song we had scheduled, but we're going to go back and do that song that we did just before the message. Because this morning, I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful for what God has done on my behalf. God, we thank you this morning for the cross, and we thank you for Christ as we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.
has blessed me so much with that song. Because one day that's all we're going to do. We're going to thank God for what he's done. And this morning we can be thankful that the freedom that we walk in is found in Jesus Christ. And again, if you have not experienced that, it's, it's as simple as placing your faith, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, and that he will do everything that he says he